a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, the podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living that is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm excited for you to meet them. So um, now, when I was growing up in the Lutheran Church, I remember uh, the hymnals that were in the pews, uh, and they were called, I remember the title, they were green hymnals, and they were called, uh, the hymnals were called Good News. And, um, and the more I get to know today's guest, the more I think about those hymnals, because I think of him. He is a good news man. Uh, not that he's overly you know, saccharine or naively optimistic, but more that he is full of life and an energy that exudes this confidence and a commitment to celebrate the good news. Uh, that this is a good life with good people. And, uh, and you know, even in the midst of challenges and, and, and business and the everyday nuances and annoyances <laughs> that we all have to put up with, God is good all the time. And your life with God and Him in it is even better. And, um, and if that sounds like a little... Uh, kind of Southern preacher uh, that's appropriate because our guest today is, in fact, uh, a Texas preacher himself amidst many, many uh, talents and uh, avocations that he holds. Um, but that's, uh, as I say, that's just one of his many, many side hustles. He's a motivational speaker. He's a singer. He's a mentor and a sales professional, uh, a restaurateur. But, uh, but most importantly, uh, he's a husband, a dad, and he is, he is my friend, um, which I'm just so, so honored that he is on the show today. So, uh, so get ready for a little fire and brimstone, good news style, and welcome today's man of man, Mr. Brad Golden. Hey, Brad. Hey, Jeff. So excited. Well, I'm Finally so... Finally get to make the manna. <laughs> you are... You're the man of man. You're a bit of an alpha man of man. And, and, and so you're from the great state of Texas. And, yeah. um, and, uh, and so starting off, that's kind of where I wanted to start. I mean, everything, you know, and a little bit of a cliche, everything, everything's bigger than Texas. But really, you know, when I think of all of the, the, the friends in my life that, that I'm blessed to know and be inspired by, and we are relatively new friends. We have not known each other all that long. But you have, from the, from the, I think the day I met you, I still remember in, in a meeting that we were in, and and uh, and you just you exude so much confidence, and and when I first met, I didn't even know there was this depth of faith, but just the strength that you, just the bigness of you, you're just so, and that's why I say that, like you're you're a good news guy. Overweight? You know? No. Oh, <laughs> no, different. No. Kind of. But, but, but so anyway, I just, so I just kind of want to start with, just, you know, just like, and, and not to be too cliche, but let's just go back to the beginning. Like, how, like, how'd you grow up? Like, what did, did this, this sort of like, you know, and I don't mean to sound like a commercial, but like this zest for life, this embrace, you're such a full throttle guy, you know, whether it's in business or friendship or family. I mean, you just are faith, obviously, which we're going to talk about today, 
but you are just, you're all in. So talk about like growing up, like where, where does that come from? Or was it something that was developed or, you know, so talk about the, talk about the Brad Golden growing up. Well, uh, growing up, I, I was, uh, my grandmother, Mimi, Ruby Smith, uh, she was an inspiration to me. She babysat kids for a living. Oh. And we lived about half a mile from her. And my mom or my dad would drop us off every morning. And uh, during the summer, especially as I got older. And so we would just spend time with Ruby Lee, Mimi. Yeah. And it was neighborhood kids. I mean, at one time she had 18 kids she was walking, watching. And this was back before you would get uh, the permits to do this. You know, she just, they're just like, hey, yeah. send them down to Ruby. She'll watch them. So, and that's what she did while my grandfather, uh, he was a welder and he passed away when I was six. So I never got to really know him yeah. except for through the eyes of my mother and her sisters and, and through my grandmother. But uh, she was a strong woman. She was, you know, she became single at the age of, 60-ish, and uh, remained that way until she passed away at 86. And probably the hardest, uh, you know, I've spoken at a lot of funerals and things, but my grandmother's passing was probably the hardest passing that I've been through at this time. Mm. Um, How old were you when... When when she passed away, I was 30, in my 30s. Okay. So, you know, I got to enjoy for quite a while. And I was the oldest grandchild, so... I was her favorite in my eyes, uh, <laughs> even though I also got the most spankings because we did grow up in the South and the switch was a thing. And yeah. if you don't know what a switch is, that's a limb from a tree and going back and forth between your legs can leave a lot of scars and a lot of marks and a lot of pain. Yeah. Uh, but somehow I kept doing whatever I was doing yeah. wrong. <laughs> so I saw it a lot. Yeah. Um, but no, she, uh, so she was a very strong woman and you know, she was not a Rosie the Riveter. I called her Ruby the welder. She welded ships during World War II, and they would put her in the restrooms on these ships to go in and weld the restrooms. And so it's it's interesting just to hear her stories of of that while my grandfather was off at war. Um, They had four daughters, and my mom was the second oldest. Um, And so, But we moved away when I was six. Uh, We moved about 30 miles away to the suburbs of Dallas, south Dallas, south of Dallas. And uh, and my mom and dad, about three years later, uh, separated and, and got divorced eventually. And my sister, I have twin sisters um, who were there with me. And so it was basically me, my mom, and my twin sisters. Mm-hmm. So it's different, a, a man being raised, or a boy being raised to be a man by your mom and two sisters. Yeah. And so dad was every other weekend dad because that was the arrangement they had. Um, we were off and on to church, and my mom got remarried. My dad got remarried. They, they both got remarried. My dad had three more uh, siblings for me uh, after he got remarried, but uh, two brothers and a sister. And my youngest brother's almost 20 years younger than me. Wow. But, uh, but my stepdad, when he came in the picture, then we— we started attending a Presbyterian church, and uh, then we switched. When we got to, when I got to high school, my mom switched to the Methodist church. Said, so, you know, we need to start going there because that's where all the the high school, the the youth group, okay. the bigger youth group is there. Yeah, yeah. And so let's go there and get you involved there. And so I did, and I was involved in FCA in eighth grade. 
uh, I'll never forget this. We we had tons of guys in football and basketball and whatever else, and uh, we there was a big FCA camp coming up for the summer, and everybody was going. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And when it came time to turn in your paperwork and all the paperwork was turned in, well, it was me and Chris Henderson. <laughs> and that was it. It wasn't like 50 people all, yeah. hey, we're going to have the best summer ever and yeah. go have fun. So uh, <clears throat> Chris Henderson, African-American friend of mine, who is now a pastor uh, in DeSoto, took over his dad's church. But uh, so my mom... It, you know, at first they were planning on renting, you know, taking one of the school buses sure, and yeah. taking all Got the 40 of us. Yeah, <laughs> so basically it was my mom and her Toyota Corolla yeah. uh, putting me and Chris Henderson going to East Texas. Well, yeah. at the time in the the early 80s, uh, uh, a white lady with a, a black child and a white child going to East Texas wasn't necessarily a, a yeah. common scene. Yeah. And I never thought anything of it until Chris pointed it out to me years later that, do you know what that was like? And I'm like, no, nah, I got no clue. <laughs> wow. So it was, uh, it was interesting times, but we went, we, we had a good time. And that's actually, that was the time in my life where I figured out that not everybody was true to God. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a young man, who, I say young man, he was older than me at the time, but he was the, he was a, uh, in the Southwest Conference, which is no longer there. Uh, he was an offensive guard, and he was the leader of my group. And Chris and I got separated there, which was kind of hard because he was the only guy I knew there. Yeah, right. But this guy uh, took us in, and, and and we were in a meeting, and they said, I want you to go back to your dorm rooms, your you know, to your bed. And they'd given us a Bible. And I still have it to today. It's a little ripped up, torn. You know, it's, it's quite a bit old. But uh, he said, I want you to go through and find a verse that means something to you. And I'm like, man, I don't think I've ever really had to do this. Yeah. And so I, I remember sitting on the top bunk, and everybody in there was real quiet. Everybody was going through their Bible. I mean, we had a lot of respect. This guy had earned our respect yeah. over, over a day or two, just you know, showing his love for us and, and for, for God. And so I went through, and I found Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because today has enough worries of its own. That's great. And so I carry that with me. I've done... You know, I've, I've preached on it in the streets of Brazil and wow. and used it at weddings and funerals and, and everything else. Uh, and when you say I'm a pastor, I'm, I'm you know, online pastor, meaning I paid $25 to become, because my cousin was like, can you do our wedding? And I said, sure, I think, I don't know. <laughs> and I got, a, I got a little thing to do it. Um, so uh, anyway, I, I just enjoy sharing the gospel. But was that the was that the marker though? Was that camp? Was that when it started, or did you? So I'm picturing you now in the back seat of this Corolla, which is a great visual. Like as you're going to this camp, if you can remember, like w- were you already in, or did you feel like okay, this maybe is going to be a thing that I'm going to get into, or or was it just kind of like uh, you know I'm just going to do this camp thing? I got my friend. Like, like, or, and, and then was that the moment where it's just like, you know, cause people talk about having these, these you know, ahas. Yeah. Whether born this again or whatever. Born again. Like, this was this was, it? This, this was, you know, I had been through confirmation. What they call it confirmation at the Methodist church. Yeah. But the funny thing is I'd been through it at the Presbyterian church. So, so I knew God, I knew who Jesus was, Yeah. but this was my aha moment as to a lot of people know 
who it is or know who God is or know there's a God or know the story of Jesus, but do they believe it? Yeah. And this was the trip where I truly believed it. And I got to know the Lord on a personal basis. Yeah. And so from then, I just started paying more attention, so to speak, Mm -hmm. uh, throughout high school. And then uh, when I got to college, I didn't go to church at all. Um, My roommate was Catholic. And it was funny because I got to college and he said, hey, I'm going to go. And this was back when the drinking age was younger still. But uh, he said, I'm going to go meet my my." What do y'all call, not parishioner, but uh, your priest? Yeah, he said, hey, I'm going to go meet my priest for a beer or yeah. a glass of wine or something. Uh-huh. like, you're going to do what? <laughs> and Like he works at your church. And, and, and he's like, oh, yeah. This is social life, yeah. And I'm going, well, that, uh, y'all are both going to hell then. I mean, I, you know, and of course, I don't know. I don't, yeah. you know, and and so um, college, you know, it was, it was a separation. When I moved back home, after college, then uh, my mom and my sisters, my mom had been divorced again. And uh, and so she was done. She's never been married since. And, yeah. and uh, But she and my sisters had started attending the, the Baptist church there in town because nothing to do with the religion, the label. It had to do with the youth group mm. and the involvement yeah. and and the, you know, the, the love of God just surrounding that yeah. group. Yeah. And so uh, they were going to the Baptist church. So when I went moved back, I was like, yeah, I'll go to church with y'all. And when I went, I'm like, what are we doing at a Baptist church? <laughs> Mom's like, well, this is where the youth group is. Remember yeah. when we went? Okay, yeah, I got yeah. it. So we, uh, we joined in. And, and uh, it's funny because my, my wife, who I met later, uh, actually, I'd already met her my, after my freshman year in college, but uh, we got married in that church. All three of our kids were born in that church and and uh so and then we when we moved later uh we found another church and it was a baptist church too but i hate the labels yeah because yeah. to me and, and this is me speaking religion will send more people to hell than anything mm-hmm. because yeah. you're putting your faith in what a man has put together or told you if you're not listening to the word, if you're not in the word, then you're lost. Yeah. And and so I started looking later in life, you know, and even today, you know, just different religions and what they stand for. And I'm talking about religions that are focused on Jesus as the sinner. Um, center, not sinner, uh, as we know. <laughs> but uh, with Jesus as the focal point of that religion... But each religion has, you know, you can't drink over here. You can't do this over here. You can't yeah. wear, women can't wear pants over here and yeah. shorts. And it's like, well, you know, wait a minute. Yeah. Because we stop looking at things through the eyes of Christ and start looking at them through the eyes of a man. Yeah. With a different judgment. Yeah. When, that's a very mature perspective, though. You know, I mean, I, I feel like that's, I mean, so that had to have come I'm guessing that would have, like you 
sort of emerged into that or evolved into that? I mean, do you remember when did you, because it sounds like you just had a very kind of normal childhood, like, you know, the rest of us, you know, kind of ebbs and flows, you get confirmed, you, you, know, you know, camps or whatever, college, like we all kind of go through our little troughs of whatever. So when did you, when do you feel like you actually got that? Because that's super, like, I don't know, it just seems like a very mature, mature perspective of what real like did that come later like after you got married or was it before or or do you remember when 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 that kind of perspective emerged well i start um i started teaching sunday school okay and uh to high school kids which made me have to make sure (laughs) yeah you got a new stuff i studied up on the word (laughs) but it was I, i guess just over time just watching how people act and how people judge yeah others then i was like okay i don't want to go around judging people yeah i want to go around loving people yeah because i used to have this vision there was a a rap group i was big into run dmc in high school when they came out in the 80s and but there was a rap group that came out called dc talk and it was it was just a whole different kind of, of of vibe because hey wait Mom, you can't not like this. Right. They're exactly. talking about Jesus. Exactly. It's and like Striper for heavy metal fans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so was it Pantera too? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I remember just thinking, okay, here's a bunch of guys just chilling. Yeah. I want to just chill. So I pictured if God ever came back, if Christ ever came back and just hung out for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. He would just be, and at the time, you know, we wore these high top shoes with laces kind of undone. And I thought Jesus would be right there with us. Yeah. Just walking down the street with us, hanging out, chilling. And so I looked at him as just the leader of the pack. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it put a vision in my head, I would say 1920, that he can come back and be normal. And one of my favorite people in the Bible is, is Paul, Saul turns to Paul, you know, yeah. or changes, God changed his name to Paul. But, um, you know, here's a guy that once he met Jesus, he went nuts. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about, hey, by the way, let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah. He's like, if you don't listen to me, yeah. you're going to hell. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, hey, calm yeah. down, Paul. Yeah. I mean, the disciples were scared of him because they thought that he was trying to weasel his way in to kill him. Sure. Yeah. And here's this guy out saying, no, this is the truth. The truth has been shown to me. I mean, Jesus met him right there on the yeah. road to Damascus like, dude, this is it. Yeah. No, and that is that kind of that full throttle, like just unabashed, just like all in that, like I said in your intro, that's what you are though. I mean, like when I think of my friends, you are, that's you. Like you are, you are all in, unconditional, a warrior for 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 Jesus, and and is that something that? So you talk about being raised by Ruby, and and, and, and through, like has that always been part of your personality? Have you always you are so effective? And we've talked on this podcast before about you know charisma and and, and you know the ability for 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 guys to you know connect. But I mean you. I, I feel like that is that is a gift that you have. I mean, whether it's through music, preaching, business. I mean, you do a lot of work with young people. You know, where you are, you're motivating them. I mean, when you know, has that always been part of your 
essence and 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 then and because I'm guessing it is. And then and then when did you start attributing it to like it's it's a gift? I mean, this is what you've been blessed with, you know, to sure. be able to not just be you know the funny guy or the guy who knows magic tricks or whatever, but to actually put that you know in 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 place. You know, you know, but before my mom got remarried and then after her second divorce, I was the man of the house at age nine. Yeah. And so she probably instilled in me a leadership role uh-huh. because of the situation we were in. And we never went without. I got my first job when I was 14 working at a, a greenhouse where they grew plants and sold them to yeah. places. And uh, I did that when I was 14 and 15 during the summer. It was a, it was a guy from the church, and uh, he owned it, and, and I went to work for him. And I think I was making two seventy five an hour, which is big time. <laughs> that dates you. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and, the, and then I started working at a daycare center. It was a private school and daycare center. And I started doing that when I turned 16. Yeah. And so I was around a ton of kids who were, some of them just four years younger than me. Yeah. And so we would have fun and, and goof around. And like you said, magic a while ago, I would learn little things to do with them to, to quieten them down and to, to get their attention and to do things like that. Uh, so I think that had a big impact because I worked there all through high school. And then anytime I would come home from college, I would work there Christmas break, summer break, Thanksgiving break. He would, I mean, I was cleaning toilets mopping floors, whatever needed to be done, buffing floors. What, you know, he, I'd come in and he'd be like, Hey, if you want to work all day Saturday, go ahead. Here's all the list of things that need to be done. So here's a man who owned a very successful school, uh, private school and daycare center. And, and he would, he would give me full reign to the place when I'm home from college. So he showed a vested interest in me and trusted me. And so I, I took that and ran with it. And then, uh, uh, when I graduated college, I got a broadcasting degree, ladies and gentlemen, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but I worked my way through college, which was another thing I think that was very important. Working your way through college versus getting a loan your way through college is two different things. Yeah. Because working your way through college puts a lot more focus on what you're doing. My grades weren't the best, but I was paying for it. Mm-hmm. So if I screwed up, it cost me money. Yeah. And um, my roommate in college was my best friend growing up. And uh, once we, once I came back home and finished up and we lived together, went through, went through the, the rigmarole of life at that time. And then uh, we, we got to, uh, I mean, we were just two peas in a pot. I yeah. mean, we would go fishing together and we would go play tennis together and racquetball together and all these different things. And, and he came from a strong Christian background, too. Uh, his brother is actually a preacher at one of the bigger churches up in Denton and uh, Texas. And so anyway, we we, uh, we bonded. And then my, my fiancé at the time, girlfriend, fiancé, mm-hmm. uh, once, all, once all that took place, got married. And then, you know, my main thing is I wanted to make sure that my family was in a church and that my kids never didn't know. Yeah have that opportunity to get to know Jesus. Because here's the one thing that we confuse as parents. We don't want our children to not to go to heaven. 
Well, I got bad news for you. You don't have a choice. <laughs> right. That's not your decision. Yeah. That's your child's decision. Yeah. And so we have to raise our children in an environment that allows them to gain knowledge and to learn who Christ is and what he did for them. Yeah. And so to me, that's a huge deal in raising my family. Yeah. And so in doing that, another leadership role, I got to make sure that I give my kids the best opportunity right. to understand and know Christ. Right. And not only through the church, but also through my own actions and words. And was I the perfect father? Nope. Just ask my kids. <laughs> but as they get older, it's funny because they do go, hey, dad, I got it. Yeah. Totally. I get it. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. And so that that's kind of the fun stuff because all, all of them have now graduated college. And so it's now fun to, as of May, uh, my last two graduated. And so it's fun to, to watch them kind of have their eyes open to everything they know yeah. and see it come to, to life and, and, and the truth that's been instilled in them and that they've yeah. accepted is uh, out there for them to grasp and yeah. share now. And I, and I shared this with my kids growing up that, you know, we're put on this earth for one reason, and that's to serve others. Yeah. And that's it. And so basically my whole life I've done nothing but serve in everything I do, whether it's the restaurant or, yeah. or doing somebody's. Who taught, who taught you that, though? And I know, we were, we, you know, we're, we're, we don't have a time load on this, but, 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 you know, I'm sensitive to time. But, you know, when you talk about growing up, so you've, you've provided that to your, to your kids and to so many others. And, and as I'm listening to you talk about your own experience growing up, you know, and uh, specifically since this podcast is called Manna, and we talk about the role of men in the faith. I mean, like it, it sounds like you had to develop that that perspective, that that sense, kind of you know, at best, sort of patchwork. You know, like you, you grabbed a little bit from this guy who was your boss. You grabbed a little bit from like this guy who was your friend that you went to camp with. This guy who was your roommate. I mean. Or, or was there like, like a, like a, like a role model? Like, did you have throughout that course until you kind of, you know, came, came into your own, uh, you know, did you, was there any, is there any guy, because obviously you were surrounded by strong women, which is fantastic. Correct. Um, but, but were there any men that, that you can think of, you know, along that path that you're like, you know what, this guy, like that's, that's, that's a guy who really kind of you know, you could point to as a, as a real influencer and in who you became because you are that to now so many people. Was there a version of you to you back then? You know, I would say that's interesting, Jeff, because I'm sitting here now racking my brain. My, my dad was okay. a hard worker his whole life. Yeah. Uh, retired at 70 from selling cars, believe it or not. Uh, he, that lasted about six months, and he's like, I got to go do something. So he went back to work. So as far as work ethic and, and work, 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 uh, he did that. His father, my grandfather, passed away later in my 30s. Uh, he lived to be 91, so I got to enjoy him quite some time. But, uh, you know, I, my dad was always, he was, he was a home builder. Mm -hmm. He sold boats. He sold cars. He, he uh, built fences. 
And so he worked for himself. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times, and then other times not, but uh, the work ethic is one. And then when you see, I think that's the problem with men, is instead of climbing to the, you know, I got to get to that next whatever. I got to get to that next pay raise or that next promotion or that next. How about I got to serve the people that are put in front of me? Yeah. Because the funny thing is, when you learn that, that you start, when you learn and you start to acknowledge and see that God has put all these people in front of you, whether it's a second grade math class that I taught or a Sunday school class or a group of 800 Brazilian kids on a mission trip to Brazil put in front of you that these kids are not here for you. They're here for you to serve. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And so when we look at life as service, because when Christ was here, what did he do? He served. He taught, he preached, he corrected, and he acknowledged, mm-hmm. and then ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, he had a choice. Mm-hmm. He could have taken himself off that cross. Yeah. But that's not the service that he was put here for. Yeah. The service was for to die so that we could all reach heaven. Yeah. And the problem is this world wants to say, I believe in God. Well, there's, there's more to the story. Yeah. And God wants you to get close enough to him to understand that there's more to the story. Yeah. I remember um, hearing years ago that uh, just along those same lines of, uh, you know, Satan believes in God. You know, it's like absolutely the devil believes in God. So it's <laughs> so that's not it. You know what I mean? To say, oh, no, I believe in God. It's like, well, all right. Well, now you, you've got that in common with the devil. Like, what next? You know? Exactly. So that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, so that's kind of that's kind of my mantra. If you ask any of my three children, "What's your dad's philosophy of life?" Every one of them, without skipping a beat, will say, "We're put on this earth to serve each other." Yeah, oh, it's such a blessing, such a blessing. And that's it. So, oh, I love it. We could talk all day about uh, just more of that, um, but we are uh, we are now to the fun segment. Go for of the it. show, which, uh, which as 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 uh, listeners of Mana know, these are the same three questions that we ask every guest, and uh, and every guest, including Brad, has known these questions in advance. Uh, now, whether or not they actually thought about them and came up with some, yeah, that's going to be a different story. <laughs> exactly, Brad might be reminded of them uh, right now. But anyway, so same three questions, fun segment, three questions. Fun segment question number one. Go for it. If Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow and just wanted to hang out, just said, you know what, me and you, Brad, let's go do something, what would you do with him? Well, first off, there's a song. Will I stand in your presence or will I fall to my knees? Because I saw that question and I thought, I don't know that I would, I would just say, what do you need me to do, Lord? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, you're at my door. Oh, my gosh. And he says, nothing, just let's go. Then I would love to just go hang out at all the places that I've always envisioned Jesus hanging out. 
And people are like, yeah, to my church. And I'm like, nope. And it's funny, I was on a mission trip in Brazil, and, and uh, we were walking back. Me and my translator, they speak Portuguese in Brazil, and we're, and we're walking back to our hotel. And there's this building with a lot of action going on. I said, what's that? And uh, he said, ah, Brad, that's a, that is a bar. I said, let's go in there. He goes, oh, no. <laughs> and I said, Chimocho, if Jesus were here, we're going to the bar. <laughs> we're not going in to drink. Right. He might have some wine, but we're not going in to drink. We're yeah. going to spread the good news. Yeah. I said, we gotta, we gotta, we're doing a thing later tonight, and I want to let all those guys know. I mean, those are the men in your community in there. And he's like, oh, we can't go in there. And I, I would just, hey, Jesus, can you show everybody this is where we're going to go because yeah. this is where people are hurting. Yeah. And, you know, owning a restaurant that has a bar, I mean, I've, I've met a guy who had just, not funny, it, was, it, was, it blew me away. I was on my way to church on a Wednesday night to, for choir rehearsal. And I was just going around shaking hands. Hey, how are you doing? Good night. Thank you for coming in. And this guy's kind of sad. And my bartender said, hey, man, something's kind of, guy's really down. So I talked to him. Well, he just got back from picking the dress that his fiance would wear to her funeral. Oh. And I find this out by talking to him. Yeah. Because, see, Jesus wants to go to the hurt mm -hmm. and the lost. Yeah. And so I want to go witness him doing that. That's cool. And just, I mean, because that's, there's so many around us in our family and in our community and in our home and our church and our work. There's so many people around us that are hurting. Yeah. And Jesus knows who they are. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Oh, my gosh. That's so great. So great. Um, all right. Fun segment question number two. If you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, okay, and, um, and you don't even need to know him. So it could be like a famous person um, or it could be somebody that you know or knew. Uh, so uh, going to church with another guy, living or dead, who would it be? So <laughs> Donald Trump would be interesting to go to church with. <laughs> but no, actually, as I thought about that question, my grandfather, I said, passed away when I was six. Yeah. And I have his Bible. And there's a lot of scribble in that Bible. And... I have a Bible of my own with a lot of uh, tons of scribble in it yeah. that one of my kids or grandkids someday is going to go, what does this mean? But to be able to walk into church with him and say, okay, Papa, because I never got to know him mm -hmm. just through stories from yeah. my grandmother, my mom, her sisters. So that's the guy because I never got to know him and I'm a big family guy. Yeah, And uh, I would love to walk into church with him and just, praise with him and worship with him and and just see yeah. where it all began because he's before me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think of when you talk about that Bible, I think he'd love to see the Bible that you talked about at camp, the one that you still have. Like that that would be, I mean, that's a little bit of the legacy that you inherited from him. That's neat. All right, last question, and this is one that um, you can draw on, I'm sure, your own experiences because you're such a, you are such a mentor. You've spent your whole life helping young people develop, um, you know, and kind of a maturity of faith. So this could be an actual answer or it could just be a, hey, well, that's an interesting question. Let me come up with something. But if you could give a piece of advice to a younger guy 
um, about specifically about just being comfortable in his faith, you know, and just being able to, you know, know who he is and know who God is. And, uh, you know, because it's one thing to be, you know, 50 something guys like us, you know, being able to now sort of wax poetic on living lives of faith, as flawed as we are. But, you know, it's different when you're 14. And so uh, what, what piece of advice would you give a younger guy about developing a comfort with his faith? Well, I think that's, and, I, and of course I learned it as I got older or realized what I was doing as I got older. But that goes back to that servanthood. And look at the people around you as what can I do to serve you? Yeah. I don't care if you're at a drunken party in college. Can I help you take out the trash and clean all this up? Yeah. What can you do to help the people around you, to serve them? Because the way people see Christ in you, Christ was a servant when here, a teacher, a motivator, an educator. He was everything we've talked about tonight. Mm -hmm. But are people seeing that in you? And challenge them. Because it's not hard to serve. You don't have to be outgoing. You don't have to be outspoken. You can do it in the background. Yeah. Your gift might be something completely different. But as far as taking out the trash <laughs> at somebody's house, yeah. <laughs> whose husband doesn't take it out for her, or whose kids don't, and you're like, hey, can I get this for you? Can I do this? Can I move your car up? Or can I do, yeah. you know, what can I do to help you? Yeah. People don't hear that anymore. Yeah. And so for someone young looking to make it in the world through faith, go serve. Yeah. No matter what you're doing, I don't care if you work for Coca-Cola, IBM, Amazon. I don't care who you work for or if you're a pastor. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of pastors who are on a pedestal. Yeah. And I think, you know, as I look back over my life, having humbled pastors who say I'm flawed too yeah. is very important. And believe mm -hmm. me, when I speak to young kids, they know I'm flawed too. Yeah. No way am I standing up here saying, you know, being perfect or saying I'm perfect. And I get calls from some of my kids' friends. Hey, Mr. Brad, how do you do this? Or I'm getting a job doing this. Can you give me some advice? Those are the best calls ever. Why? Because they're not calling the party dad over here. And they're not calling the crazy dad over here or the yeah. drunk dad over here. They're, they're calling me. Yeah. Because when they look at all the dads around them, they're like, okay, I need common sense. Yeah. I need something to lean on here. Yeah. And so, you know, giving that advice to a young man is just like look around you and see where you can serve. Yeah. Because when you serve, you become Christ-like. Oh. And the more you serve, the more Christ-like you become. So. Brad Golden, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.